Hey guys, welcome back uh, to Somewhere in Horror. My name is Justin, as always, and um, today is going to be the 30th year of Jurassic Park. Um, we're talking about the film here, but we're also going to be talking about the Michael Crichton book that it's based off of. Um, the film came out... And actually exactly today as of 1993 and then the Michael Crichton book let's see let me double check that came out in 1990 November 20th um, I might do something with the lost world for you guys that day but today is the jurassic park 30 year anniversary and as such we're gonna go over the book and the movie um if you haven't seen the movie yet honestly this is gonna be full of spoilers and you're very late to the game so i don't even feel bad um it's also like one of the biggest franchises like ever um one of those staple like fantasy franchises ever um and then for the Jurassic Park novel by Michael Crichton I know a lot of people don't know it's based off of a book but I mean it's been out since 1990, so if you didn't know it was based off of a book, you could have like found it even at Barnes and Nobles. Um, it is only two books in that series from Michael Crichton, which are Jurassic Park and The Lost World. I have both of them. I haven't read The Lost World yet, but we're really only going to be talking about Jurassic Park. Um, when I first got this book, I got it because I really heard that they are, are, there are significant differences to the film when it comes to the source material of the book. Um, and the, one of my favorite things I've ever watched on TikTok, I know a lot of my stuff is from TikTok, but you know what? Inspiration. Um, one of the, my favorite videos I've ever watched is the um, illustrated version of Dennis Nedry's demise from the book, um, which made me want to do this episode. Um, because, I mean, with, with Jurassic Park, you think, oh, there's some scary moments, but it's more of an adventure fantasy sci-fi uh, movie, which the entire franchise has been like more often than not a little scary here and there, but it's meant for families and it has that like bubbly personality about it. Very fantastic and happy-go-lucky. That's not the book. Um, and that's not at all what the book vibes are. There's really not even, not even any humor in it. Um, after 30 years, I would, and after reading this, I would love to see a true to form, uh, book to film adaptation with no changes in people's deaths, more accuracy to, what these creatures are supposed to look like and just not for kids. I mean, I've grown up, but it is one of my favorite series um, of films as I've gotten older. Um, but even as a child, like I loved watching it and always wanted to know if there was a like more to it because it was scary to me even as a kid the dilophosaur scared the hell out of me when i was growing up um but i wanted more every time i watched 
the show. Uh, also, if if you guys are kind of thrown by my voice, it's because I'm just waking up. It's been a long weekend, um, and I, I mean, it's as recording this, it is 10 a.m. You're gonna hear this about 12 o'clock, but man, I am tired. Um, without further ado, let's really jump into the two stories and the differences. Um, the opening of the film starts with the um, raptor attack while they're trying to get the raptor in its shipment cage um, or get it into its um, inhabitant and in its habitat. Oh my gosh. Um, and everyone remembers that famous line, shooter, shooter, which was done by, um, oh my gosh, Mulligan, not Mulligan. I forget his name. I, I hate that. Um, pulling it up. Muldoon. Why did I think Mulligan? Um, Muldoon's famous line, Shooter. Um, and then it flashes out to the next scene. But that's not at, That's not how the uh, book started. For the book, it opens with a person off the coast of Puerto Rico um, having someone... having someone being transported for emergency medical services um, come in. And there you meet this young doctor and she observes a man with a claw mark just torn across his chest. And there is this putrid white foam that is on side of uh, inside of his wound and she's kind of tripping out because she's like what what could have done this i've never seen these claw marks before they're deep and that smell is something i've never smelt before um and in an instant he jumps up has a very bad seizure vomits blood and dies um which is only mysteriously like hinted at that um, a raptor did it, which in uh, in that area, there is a legend of a different creature in the forests and it is a soul stealer um, in essence. And it's almost like a Wendigo, I, I suppose. Um, but yeah, it's it's one of those darker creatures that no one's ever seen. And the only people that have seen die. Um, and then we jump to another scene, which it's not in the film. It is in the book. Um, and later on they used it in the lost world. Um, there is a scene of these, the small family off the coast of um, Puerto Rico as well, different Island, um, enjoying a beachside picnic with her family. And she sees a reptile going into the wood area and she decides to investigate. Um, her mother finds her uh, a bit later from her screaming. And consequentially, she is found to have very bad wounds. She is swollen. She has what seems to be um, a deeply allergic reaction to this toxin from uh this animal but they can't tell what it is they can't tell if it is a snake that bit her or what kind of venom it was 
And it's also odd because a small reptile in the first place bit a child, which that's not at all normal. Um, and I mean, there's also another scene that comes up with a maternity ward. And again, that, that was never shown, but in this maternity ward, the chirping of birds and birds visiting the babies is considered as a superstition of good luck. And when she's doing her, uh, when a nurse is doing her rounds, she discovers that there's been some chirping in one of the baby's rooms. She, what she expected was to find this baby sleeping peacefully and these birds visiting. But what she opens the door to is these small dinosaurs, small monsters, um, which they use a different word for it. Again, I forgot the name, but it's one of those kind of said and then never again in the book is it said um, kind of references. But they, she finds these small dinosaurs eating the baby and she discovers that her, the baby is dead and the baby's face has been eaten. Um, kind of less descript than what they go into, but yeah. Um, there's a lot of character differences as well. Um, John Hammond is a kind of big businessman with a focus on trying to create the next big thing as far as science goes, but also his big niche as of right now is cloning and even making smaller versions or mutations of these giant animals. Um, most notably, he has a pet baby elephant, which is a pocket size elephant in, in regards to its size. And Hammond's able to take it with him everywhere, hold him and show it off to his friends. Um, the only problem is this poor little elephant is always sick and always like kept away in this cage with a blanket covering it um, until he decides to reveal it. John Hammond is a douchebag in the book. Um, and he really is more leaning towards a villain uh, in this story. Um, when we get to meet, uh, well, as the book goes on, he winds up being just a worse and worse person. He doesn't care about the well-being of his children or his grandchildren as much as he should. Um, he doesn't really care about anything but the success of his island and his theme park. And the film or the, the, yeah, the film really wants to have him be like a man of wonder. And like, this is such a beautiful thing. Everyone needs to come and see this. And it's a beautiful thing to bring these animals back. But in the book, John Hammond really is just focused on the bottom line uh, to the point where he knows his kids are in peril, but or his grandkids are in peril, but like he doesn't send an entire militia out. He didn't even think ahead as far as what he does with safety protocol um in regards to if they have to put any of these animals down all of these animals have tranquilizers and the only weapon that can even touch 
uh, a T-Rex is a rocket launcher, but the rocket launcher is taken later with Dennis Nedry. Um, and then when we get to meet Alan Grant and Ellie Sattler, there's a lot of differences there as well. Their personalities are very different compared to the movie and the book. Um, Ellie Sattler's young 24 and basically coming fresh out of college. And Alan Grant is a mid forties, more built and bearded man. Um, even when asked if him and Ellie plan on dating or are dating, he scoffs at the idea and his whole, his whole character arc isn't the same as in regards to his relationship with Tim Murphy and Lex Murphy, which are Hammond's grandchildren. Um, he is a protector and he is fine with these kids. Um, being around him and kind of having high regard for him um, in the book, in the film, he is like very child um, repulsed until he's learned, he learns to be more of a caring father type figure to these children. Um, Tim and Lex are also uh, age swapped and uh, Lex is also much less significant to the story. Um, Tim has is about 11 to 12 years old, while Lex is about eight years old. Um, and they're, the whole reason they're even at the park is because they need a distraction from this messy divorce that their family's going into. And um, one of the notable moments in the novel versus the book, uh, or versus, versus the film, is with Tim and the hacker situation. Um, during the uh, resetting of the park's computer system. Uh, Lex has nothing to do with that. Tim is fighting to even get this to work. Um, and it is one of those things where it's, it's a race race against the clock because Raptors are coming to attack them and they are, they are in very very large peril. If he doesn't get it reset, they will die. And of course he does. Um, but that's, it's, it makes Tim the full like driving point for the story while Lex has no, no character other than being the younger of the two and being afraid. Um, and also liking pickle. Um, yeah, so you get to see the difference with Alan Grant, Ellie Grant, Ian Malcolm is almost the same character, but he's much better uh, spoken in the book, and he's much less quirky. He is much more on the intelligent side, but he still has that rock star uh, personality and the all-black clothing. Um, Dennis Nedry. We're, we're talking about characters at the moment. Dennis Nedry is a young, around out of college character. And he was signed on to be the head of uh, Jurassic Park uh, and their computers uh, and security team. Um, the reason he actually has a reason to be kind of evil. I mean, he's still evil at the end of the day and it wasn't money. It wasn't just money. It was the fact that even though he was being paid well, 
he was being treated very poorly by John Hammond and John Hammond kept changing things that he needed from um, the character. Um, they kept extending his time by years instead of just a couple weeks. And he had been there to the point where he was tired of even being there. He needed just a way out. And the get-rich-quick scheme um, with Peter Ludlow, I believe it's, yeah, Peter Ludlow, um, was really why he did it. Um, it was the whole reason he said, you know what, fine. I'm going to do this. I'm going to betray this man because he's just treating me like shit. And there's no reason to be here anymore. Um, so there's that. Um, with Ludlow being the guy who really sets off everything, the reason he sets it off is he wants to take this DNA and kind of beat Hammond to the punch and create dinosaurs for his own version of the park. And he also wants to get ahead of the game because he believes Hammond is planning to make pocket dinosaurs for people to purchase for thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars. Um, Another thing about Jurassic Park is, um, as a as a whole, is Hammond does think of the bottom line more than the wonder. He says, like, part of his plan is to sell tickets for thousands and thousands of dollars because people will pay regardless, and those who can't pay don't have to come. Um, which is just, it's just not really that great of a person um moving a little forward i mean the wonderment of the first sight of i believe it's the brontosaurus that they see uh is the same um they change the i forget which dinosaur there's a lot listed um but they change the triceratops being sick to a different animal being sick and the way they discover it wasn't in the dung it was in a um i forget the name of it too it is what most birds of prey spit up after they have eaten what they have um it's a collection of bones and fur and feathers um, but for this, it is a collection of herbs and um, branches and twigs. But within that, she finds out that they are poisoning the animals because of one plant that they eat large quantities of that just kind of does that. Um, for, or that they, they, Wow, I'm not talking well today. Um, they discover that this animal is sick because of a plant that they found to not be poisonous in small quantities, but they have large quantities and digest very slowly until they are sick. Um, so another big character difference is Gennaro. And Gennaro's character is not... A, a wimp kind of character he's not even in the um big scene with the t-rex encounter um the t-rex encounter happens with a man named ed regis who is the park's essentially like escort uh for tim and lex murphy um Gennaro goes back with Ellie and uh, Muldoon to kind of figure stuff out. Gennaro actually is not really that bad of a character in the novel. 
in the novel, Ed Regis hates children. He doesn't want to be there. He's forced to sit with Tim and Lex and he does abandon them and hide in the woods. Um, which his death is a little more satisfying than just a plain old uh, getting chewed up by a T-Rex with him on the toilet. Um, and with the T-Rex encounter, um, we also have to take into account the way that the T-Rex acts. He, The T-Rex is very aggressive to the point where it's not just move flipping the the jeep around it winds up biting into it and chucking the the uh jeep with the children in it and even getting uh tim murphy very badly injured um and the same way that alan acts with trying to get the distraction is the same but ian malcolm actually wants to flee the situation and run uh, instead of help which the t-rex sees him running and instead of a nudge like it's in the film uh ian actually gets a chunk of his leg bit and then tossed like a toy um, he gets a broken leg and pretty scraped up, um, which later turns into an infection. And even though it is hinted that he dies, um, it was later redacted and um, they brought Ian Malcolm back for the uh, Lost World novel and film. Um there is plenty more I'm going to need to talk about because there is a lot of differences here. Um, I will say that I'm recording and I'm doing it off of um, a little podcasters program that only allows 30 minutes on the actual site which kind of sucks but it's the way that i learned how to do it so i'm going to take a quick second give you guys a little bit of a breather put like some silly little insert music and i'll be right back okay guys I am back. Um, after the T-Rex encounter, basically none of it's the same. Um, we get a lot of talk about like the science behind everything as well. Um, we get to hear about the computers and how they've crashed and what exactly has happened. They've also revealed a little bit more about the population growth uh, and how exponentially bad that is. Um, and there are a couple, there's even a couple moments where I forgot to mention entirely. Um, Alan Grant winds up even being told about the small dinosaurs who repetitively you wind up learning this name really fast. They're procomping methods. Um, and they're later called just compies. Um, but he learns about the attacks on children and he doesn't understand how it's, how it's happened. And even though people are baffled, um, of their escape, which Hammond denies entirely. He is positive that Procompsignaphids are the cause of these children's attacks that have been escalating in that single area. Um, and it is one of those things that he is still confused about because he also believes that 
there's no way that compies would attack um, the children unprovoked. Um, but I mean, when lured, all of that group did hunt and do attack. Um, so let's go back. Um, they give a lot of detail about the different dinosaurs there. They give detail about the exponential growth and how they might be escaping. Um, and they reveal pretty early on that they are mating because of the DNA sequencing of frogs, just like in the book. Um, Ed Regis, the difference between Gennaro's death and Ed Regis's death is Ed Regis escapes what he believed to be the only T-Rex. There are two in this novel. Uh, one is a younger one who keeps away from the uh, senior of the two T-Rexes and hunts in a very playful manner. It is very bleak to hear that um, the T-Rex winds up biting him and tossing him and running away, waiting for him to get up, biting him, tossing him, running away, waiting for him to get up until the point where the T-Rex is kind of just done with him and eats him. Um, and then we go into uh, Dennis Nedry's death, which Nedry's death isn't because he stumbled down uh, the hill at a wrong turn. He winds up getting like fenced in and he took too many wrong turns. Um, and he really didn't even give himself that big of a window to flee the park uh, to be able to get to the pickup point. But yeah, he winds up uh, in front of a giant wall for one of the enclosures and um, he is met with the Dilophosaur. The Dilophosaur in the book is accurate to the paleontological findings and it stands at 10 feet tall. It has the V-shaped uh, crest on its head it is spot. I believe it's spotted, um, and it is yellow, um, and it's not a close encounter. He encounters it from forty feet. They later describe, or they earlier describe that the Dilophosaur has a spitting range of fifty feet. But Dennis Nedry was not paying attention, nor was he really even listening. Or he left it during that part of the tour. Um, but he also has no knowledge of these uh, dinosaurs. So Nedry waits for him, kind of stands there and doesn't move an inch, which he should have immediately had he been smart at all in this novel um, because it was it's a monster. Um, instead of being just spat in the face and blinded, um, later stumbling into his car and getting killed by another Dilophosaur, he is spat on multiple times. Um, but this spit is a venomous uh, agent that works like an acid and a paralytic at the same time. Um, he gets spit on the stomach and he tries wiping it off. Um, then he gets spat on in the neck. And then they, he finally gets spat on in the eyes and he is blinded. Um, and it's kind of, again, they, the Dilophosaur plays with the, 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 the meal and it's a playful hunt. He winds up gutting Nedry and instead of just straight up going for the kill, he lets Nedry fall and stumble and um, even try to move. But as he starts kind of realizing he's dead in general, the Dilophosaur bites down on his head, picks him up, 
And that is the last we hear of Nedry until they find his corpse, which is bloated and swollen from the venom and bits and pieces chewed off from not only the, the Dilophosaur, but from the Compies, because Compies are like vultures at this. Um, they also really focus on the fact that these dinosaurs are really just mutants and like monsters. They act in a predatory manner, but something always seems just a little off uh, about them. Um, there's no reprieve with Alan Grant and Lex Murphy and Tim Murphy um, with the brontosaurs like it is in the novel. They're kind of go, go, go the entire time. Um, Muldoon gets contact and saves uh, Malcolm, just like they kind of did in the original. Um, but it's contact with Alan Grant and... Um, through walkie-talkies and they kind of even have to go out to try and find Ed, Ed Regis, which when they find him, that's kind of where they're left at. Um, and they still have to make their way back to the visitor center on foot. Um, along the way they go to, they wind up getting chased by a T-Rex and they wind up in an electrical room, which in the electrical room, um, Grant finds a baby raptor who winds up like tranquilized by Grant and um, he notices kind of what they look like. The raptors are more accurate. I believe they are even feathered in this, but I know that their forearms have the claws instead of hands having claws. Um, they have the, oh my gosh. They, they have the feathered snouts. They have the teeth and they're still very vicious, but, um, they hunt as a pack instead of one encountering another, uh, so on and so forth. Sorry. I am, my head's kind of boggled right now. Um, while he's in the electrical room, um, Tim and Lex are hiding from the T-Rex that finds them under the waterfall behind the waterfall. And he, tries to put his poke his head out as far as possible um, to try and eat them. He even winds up getting his tongue around Tim's neck and Tim starts fainting and passing out. But at one point the tongue stops pulling and the T-Rex stops moving, uh, even biting down and bleeding from his tongue um, being bitten uh, because Grant at the last moment tranquilized the uh, T-Rex. Um, there is also an encounter they have with the T-Rex in the water. There's, they run down the river. Oh my gosh, I am not speaking right. Um, I may have even, I may have even mixed this around. Um, don't murder me. I, these books are, the book was very long and there's a lot that is different. Um, but there's a river encounter with the young T-Rex who is only deterred or the old T-Rex, which is only deterred by the young T-Rex. Um, but they almost perish in the river because the T-Rex swims under and rams almost essentially like a whale attacking a boat, uh, rams its head up 
um, onto their raft and they wind up stuck in the water and drifting until they get back onto land and onto safety. Um, we're going to skip ahead because there's a lot of details that I'm missing. There's a lot of details that aren't in my, in my review, but are very well documented in the book. I highly recommend reading the book. It is a five-star read. It is heavy handed, but if you can, if you could handle it and if you can even handle like a 16 hour, um, audible, um, I highly recommend this from their selection. Um, so later on, we're going to talk about an encounter that is in Jurassic Park three kind of teased in Jurassic Park three. Um, but is in the first novel, which is the pterodactyl encounter that they experience the lodge for the pterodactyls. And, um, I think it's a pterosaur. Um, I think that's the name of it. The one, the larger pterodactyls with the teeth. Um, but their encounter is met with a lot of problems because even the um that area has been closed off because all the workers that have tried to work there at this treehouse lodge that they are creating for this encounter have been getting injured and dying because the uh territorial personalities of these pterodactyls or pterosaurs um are very much at play and one of their methods is just diving and stabbing into the uh, ground or surface to deter them and or kill the people in their sight. Um, and Tim, Lex, and Grant all face this and have to flee. Um, later on, we'll talk about Wu's death, Henry Wu, who is the big player in all of the Jurassic Park films, uh, especially the new Jurassic World series. He is kind of just a shitty person because um, he's more he's more of the Hammond character focused on his bottom line more than the safety until the third movie where he's like, we need to stop. This is ridiculous. I'm in danger. And this, this just needs to stop. Um, he only gets conscious then, but Henry Wu is killed in this by a raptor after there is a ton of different encounters with the raptors. Um, Ellie and Muldoon first experience the raptors attack um, with their swarm circling uh, their Jeep and Ellie winds up finding an elegant way of luring them uh, to get behind the fence that they need to get towards. Um, and Arnold's death is very similar, or very much the same um, between the book and novel. He winds up going to get the power back uh, from another center and he gets an encounter and dies from um, a raptor attack. The only difference is it's not Ellie that finds him. It is Gennaro because Gennaro's sent out to discover him. Gennaro doesn't die in this at all, actually, um, which is surprising. Um, and then there's a really good tense like scene set up in the novel where the raptors are attacking the visitor center, but they're coming through the roof. They're coming, trying to break in through the sides. And it is just an onslaught of these raptors coming at always. It's very well written and it's so, so scary to think about. 
Um, Tim and Lux's encounter with the Raptor is also different because Lex winds up locked away with one of them. And uh, it's same, same running around through the restaurant and through the back of uh, the house, the kitchen, but they fight to get Lex out of the freezer and at one point it doesn't even notice that the door has swung open because it's been so focused on getting the door open that Lex is able to escape and Tim is able to lock it it is far better as as an experience compared to the two um sources um as a group they go to find the source of where all these raptors are nesting after alan grant's rescuing of them um because grant actually kills all the raptors instead of the t-rex killing the raptors um he poisons a bundle of eggs and rolls them out for the raptors to find to eat and then slowly die um another very smart and well done scene of the novel um but hammond refuses to go and help them in in the slightest and um they even after deterring a raptor from getting onto a boat uh, that is trying to dock um hammond is still like my bottom line my money whatever um very greedy um so they wind up going to the nesting site and they notice that they're not really attacking and it's one of those scenes that they're like very weirded out by um but at the end of it all the place is really abandoned the military comes to help everyone out and the day is saved um unfortunately though john hammond oh no john hammond dies um he kind of deserves it in the in the novel he is roaming around pissed off that this is not going his way he falls down a hill breaks his leg and then compies see that he is wounded. Normally, compies would not go after bigger creatures, but Hammond is not only old, but he is injured. Um, so one by one, these compies once again come in and bite him. The compies are actually given a, a venom, and it is a paralytic, but it's also a, a like almost anesthetizing um, venom. They get them to weaken and hallucinate and go weak until they are asleep, and then they eat their prey, which Hammond knows very well and is terrified as this happens until he is calm and it doesn't hurt anymore, and then he passes, passes away. Um, I did a very poor job I will tell you, I need to script it out better. Um, I should have scripted this, but I tried doing freeform with this. Um, today is the one time that you're ever going to hear me with such a bad interpretation of the book. Um, it is a very heavy handed book and there's a lot that goes on that is not in the film versus what is in the film. Um, both sources are five out of five stars. Highly recommend you read it for yourself and you experience it like I did. 
Um, but yeah, today I, I, this is the one time I'm like, wow, this, this was not my best. Um, yeah, I'm probably going to start scripting. Um, anyways, there is the 30th anniversary of Jurassic Park. I think it's about time that this gets adapted into horror. Someone somewhere can do it. I don't think Universal would bat an eye at making a monster movie with dinosaurs um, and taking the wonderment out just for that extra little big buck of the new version. Um, but who knows? Who knows with them? Um, I definitely think you guys should check out the novel. Um, and that's really all I got to say about the two coming up. I still haven't read the boogeyman and I still need to see the boogeyman, but that's going to happen. Um, we're also because of the blackening, I have to talk about that too. Um, and then I still have Stephen Graham Jones. I've, I've been pushing those novels pretty far back and it's about time you guys start hearing those um, podcasts because those novels are fantastic. Um, but yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the podcast. Um, some apologies for the ADHD or ADD distracted brain that I have. Um, but thanks for listening. Follow me on Instagram at somewhere in horror underscore podcast. Feel free to talk to me, to message me. I have been talking to a follower who is not really a follower. It's, it's a, they started following me. Um, it is you, the movie. They're an indie, uh, they're an indie film that's coming out. They're in heavy pre-production. And I th I think they want to do a podcast with me. I don't know if they've fully decided on that or not. Um, but we've been mes messaging back and forth. We might get a conversation with them coming up. Um, there's a lot of novels that I have to get through. There's a lot of stuff I have to catch you guys up with but that'll all happen very soon. And thanks for listening, guys. I really do appreciate it. We're over 220 people listened um, as of this moment. And it's pretty, pretty crazy to think that so many people have decided to listen to my podcast. And if it's only a, a small group of you guys, you guys are real. You guys are real friends. Um, and I appreciate you guys for doing so. Um, I hope you all have a great time with whatever you're doing today. And I hope that everything goes well for you. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.